now we can connect over that. Um, the scripture reading this morning is from Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then when his reason to boast, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is God's word. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. All right. So today, uh, I'm finishing up the series on free, and we've been looking at uh, Galatians for about three months. But before we do that, you know what's coming, chat. Today's chat's happy birthday. So today's his birthday. So today's sermon is all about we are family. So because we're all family, we're going to sing happy birthday and make him really uncomfortable. All right. So here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Chadwick. Happy birthday to you. So I think we should conclude the sermon with that, and then we can all go home and celebrate. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby comes to me as I'm trying to focus, and he's like, are you going to sing? I was like, not really, but here we go. <laughs> so as being a family, uh, I think it's important to celebrate uh, the accomplishment and also weep, right, when there are moments to weep. Uh, so as an instructor that I am, I cannot pass this opportunity to do a summary of Galatians. So we've been at it for three months. And if you miss any of the sermon series, like Tuli has spoken before, you can watch us either on Facebook or YouTube. So really quickly, I'm just going to read a sentence, give you a key phrase. If you want to go back and reread it, that's fine. Chapter 1, the good news of the gospel. Paul, my life was transformed by the gospel that I preach to you all that don't add anything to the good news. Chapter 2, the purity of the gospel. Make sure the good news you are trusting is pure Protect it, practice living according to it. Chapter 2 and 3, we are justified by faith. 
God declared that you are pure, good, righteous, because he credited Jesus' life and death to you. You didn't do anything to deserve it. Just receive the good news and be saved. Chapter 3 and 4, we are free. You were saved by, the, by his free gift, and when you keep remembering and trusting in who you are by his free gift, you will be transformed by grace through this faith too. Chapter 4 and 5. His grace allows us to live free. Now we're a family with God and each other because of his promises. What we didn't earn, we can't lose. Live in freedom. And last week, Chad preached on chapter 5. Walk by the Spirit and bear fruit in the Spirit. We belong to Jesus and we are loved, forgiven, holy, and blameless. We now belong to Christ, so we are free to walk by the Spirit, to pursue Christ's likeness. And today is chapter 6. So today, uh, when I was reading the verse, and I don't know if it was a reward or punishment, but it was one of those, again, right, very complicated. And I tried to simplify things. So what we're going to do today is we're going to start on verse number 10 and then work backwards. All right, so it's not necessarily something that we do uh, frequently, but I think it just makes sense. So we're going to start on verse number 10, and we're going to work back because I think Paul is really driving the point that we are a family of faith. When he reads Galatians, we'll see the wordings and we'll see key words that will pop up over and over. And this notion of love and the way that he speaks to us, in some cases, very harshly. And I know we all just came out of uh, Thanksgiving weekend and some of our families, right? There's that love, but there's also the other aspect of it. And that tension, that drama, that family feuds that exists in there, Paul is literally driving into that in Galatians. So when we read Galatians and we read uh, verse 10, it says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And you can substitute household for family. That is what, in essence, he's meaning. We are a family of faith. But what does that mean in practical terms? What is Paul trying to tell us as he's finishing the letter to the Galatians? In the book of Galatians, we see how Paul describes this church as a family of faith. Through the book, we can see the use of familiar language, loving language, like in Galatians 3.15, he says, brothers. Galatians 3.26, all sons of God. Galatians 4.5, we are sons. Galatians 4.19, little children. But then on the other hand, he also uses very harsh words like Galatians 3.1, foolish, or hypocrisy in Galatians 2.13, or enemy in Galatians 4.16. Now, you might think that is not a loving language, but when we have love with one another, we trust one another, there's sometimes we have to pull the ear, we have to call them out, especially when they're not following what Paul was saying, follow the faith. Don't forget what I, Jesus has done for us. So there's a tradition between being a neighbor, right? Love thy neighbor, but also there's a transition to becoming family of God. And I think that's what Paul is driving at Galatians number 6. Now, when he talks towards the end of Galatians 6.10, he says, do good to everyone, but specifically to those of the family of faith. And we might think, that he's negating or he's substituting this notion, what we read in James 1.27, or love your neighbor. No, he's saying as we love our neighbors and as those neighbors become family, do good to one another. 
doesn't mean that we're neglecting or forgetting the need around us, but there is need in the family of Jesus. Just think about the moments that the church has been there for you. The moment that you ask for prayer. And as we know, as believers that we are particular in secular worlds, when you testify that you're a believer of Jesus, people might ridicule you, people might put you ashamed, even my people isolate you. But when that moment arrives, when they are struggling in their families, when someone has cancer, who do they turn to? They come and talk to you. I remember a friend of mine's, she's Jewish. She grew up in a mixed household where I think her uh, father was Lutheran or Methodist and her mom was Jewish, but then she decided to follow the faith of uh, being Jewish. And her mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember the first thing she said, she said, please pray for my mom. Keep her in her prayers. Tell the church to pray for her. But why? Right? This notion of familiar, this love that exists within the family of Jesus, this is what I believe Paul is doing towards the latter part of the Galatians. But in the New Testament, we see not only in Galatians this notion of love in the family of faith, but there's over and over and over again through new, the New Testament. So we are the family of faith. There's a song, right? We are family, right? And there's even a TV show that is coming out. If you've seen Fox or you'll see this uh, football today, there will be, there is a show, TV show coming out called We Are Family. So just think about that when you're watching sports today and you think about the sermon, right? We Are Family of Faith. But it's not a cute statement or a Courtney one or a singer, but a biblical statement that represents and is repeated over and over, particularly in the New Testament. Shortly, we will see the frequency and how often appears in the New Testament this notion of love one another, especially those of the family of faith. And what we see towards this verse of 10 is this idea there is a commandment attached to it. So these are all the Bible verses that I summarized, but there's more, right? This notion of loving one another. And I just picked one. I picked 1 John 3.23, and it says, And this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. It's a commandment to love one another, specifically the family of faith. But not only that, in Galatians 6.10, it tells us this idea of commandment, but also right, that it has to be something that has to be practiced. Something in many cases does not come natural, especially when it's a blended family of believers with different cultures, different languages, different cultural traits, different political views, different economic classes, geographical settings, maybe different aspirations or motivations. We have to love one another. It's a commandment. And as we struggle to love our uh, earthly family, which is a very difficult task. Paul is reminding us, love your family in Christ. The other thing that we see in Galatians 6.10 is this notion, right, that as we come together, we need to practice that love. Hebrews 10.23 uh, to 25, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And you see the different Bible verses there, this notion inside of the family of faith, as we gather together, we should love one another. Not just the commandment, but the notion also that you should look for opportunities to love one another. And to keep in mind that we belong to a family that we have a heavenly father. He has washed us and cleansed us and forgiven us and has given us access to a larger family here on earth. But then also look for opportunities to love one another. To pray for one another. To seek opportunities where we might be struggling in the faith. And this is where we, it's important to start in 610, Galatians 610, and then work back, right? Because then the language gets really not so loving, right? But the idea is that when we love one another, not only do we care for one another, but we also need to call each other out when you're not doing what is heavenly or what is faithful or what is biblical. Sowing in the flesh or in the spirit. So once again, we're going backwards. So now we're in Galatians 6, 7, and 9. So when we're thinking about this family and we're thinking about what it looks like and what defines us, what unites us, who is not a family, what are the characteristics of this family that we belong to? And there's a saying that said, it's the family that we're born, we have a family that we are born into, but friends are the families we choose. And when we began to plant, and when we began to plant in love, and we began to plant in the spirit, what is it that we're going to reap? What is it that is going to come out? Now, what's in interesting about this notion that is there biblical Law, right? Whatever you put on that earth, if that seed is of a grape, guess what is going to come out? A grape, right? If you plant an orange seed, it's going to plant an orange. Now, when I bought my house, I had this dream, right? That my kids will go out into the backyard and they will pick apples and pears and what was the other word? Uh, durazno. I'm thinking in Spanish and English. I don't know why. Maybe because I read it in Spanish. Peaches. Thank you. So this was my notion, right? My kids, which were not born yet, they will come out to the backyard and they will pick these things out. So I went and bought four trees. They already were tall, put them into the ground. And I remember seeing them growing, right? And I remember the peaches coming out, but I was never able to taste them because the deers would get them or the squirrels would get them. For whatever reasons, the apples never gave any fruit, because either diseases, and I'm not the type of person I'm going to be weeding things out or cleaning or spraying things, right? So I was hoping that nature will do its trick, right? That it will grow by itself. But something interesting happened with the pear tree. For seven years, it did not give any fruits. And then miraculously one year, that tree was full of pears. Now, seven years have passed since that moment, and that tree has never bare fruits again, Okay. <laughs> So let us not be like the pear tree that we get fruits every seven years or so. Or the apple trees that never gave any fruits. Or like my uh, peach tree that gave fruits, but I was never able to enjoy them. But this idea, right, that whatever we do in the spirit, that is going to be reap. But if we 
so in the flesh, that is also what we're going to get. So this idea of sowing and reaping, what does that look like in the family of faith? So let me give you a couple examples just from this year. This year as a church, we have invested or sowed more than 100000 locally and around the world. We have decided to leverage the funds of the church to do good for the family of Christ. We have invested in Title I schools. We have invested in vulnerable children. We have invested in refugees. And this list goes on and on and on of all the places that we have decided to invest. Now, some of those fruits we might not see tomorrow. Or we might not see in two weeks or a month or a year. But in due time, be patient. Wait for it that you will see the growth of it. When we're deciding where to sow, and as families begin to decide what that annual gift will look like, or you begin to decide what those gifts might look like and who you benefit and who you will give some charity to, think about who is it that in our family of faith needs it. Is there family members? Are there family of faith that's struggling or neighbors that are struggling? And this morning, actually yesterday, I got this letter, and I don't have the picture, so I'm just going to read the email that I got. So about a year and a half ago, when we went to Kenya, almost two years ago, I began to push the envelope. How is it that we can bless the women of Kenya? Right? Give me a project that we can sponsor and no longer just invest in something and the money will disappear. So over years, over a month of the going back and forth, we decided to provide a scholarship and provide seed money for women that they can start their own micro-business. So this, yesterday, I got, received this email. It says, Shalom. We bless the Lord that we uh, were to receive funding to help the women from the well. We thank God that through the program we have been able to sharpen one another with different ideas based on our passions and skills. Meet Mary. She's one of the women who is in the program. Mary happens to be the leader uh, of the church of Dungu Dungu. She's a mom, grandmother, and also she's an entrepreneur. She has vast knowledge in running a business. Mary decided to venture into farming something that she has never done before. She got some seed money, and she was able to harvest 270 kilograms of maize or corn. Being the first time, we're glad that she got what she, uh, that she got, was able to harvest that. She faced multiple challenges. She encountered uh, what we believe the next rainy season will be better. She also got ready for market for her product, hallelujah, and then she sends a couple pictures of the process, right? Planting harvesting, but then growing and then selling. But there's another story, another lady that we also were able to give $300. She already had a business. All she wanted to do was expand her business. So she was already had a business and was successful, but she needed more. So we provided another grant of $300. And what, what uh, I heard back was almost made me cry. She paid back, or she's paying back the whole grant from the money she received, right? So this $300 that allowed her to grow her little business, she was able to be profitable, and now she's returning the money so other women can also expand that. But it's not just about 
the investment. It's the investment in their spiritual life so they can allow their husband, in some cases, to work and continue in the ministry. So think about, right, this idea of where are we sowing? Where are we investing? What is the harvest going to look like? And there's so many stories, whether it's in India, whether it's in Ukraine. And just yesterday, uh, yes, uh, two days ago on Friday, we had a meeting with the Kenyan, uh, Ukrainian team to discuss what are we going to do with the excess funds that we receive from the church, as well as from families that donated and individuals uh, from the team that also contributed. So the idea, as you know, was to give $9,000 to food boxes, which we were able to complete. But then miraculously, we had an overabundance of giving to the point that we had over $6,000 left. Praise the Lord, right? The harvest was so plentiful that we not only met the need of the 900 boxes that we gave, but we had extra. Ain't that a nice problem to have? What to do with $6,000 and how to invest it? So the idea was, as a team that went and raised this money, how are we going to spend it? So we asked the local pastors, provide us with projects. So we got three projects. One was to buy a tent so the children can have the gatherings outdoor. Number two was to buy firewood because winter is coming, and as you know, the Russians have made it a point in point to target anything that is electrical, so winter is going to be very harsh as the uh, winter is approaching. And the third one was to buy Christmas gifts uh, for children in the Romanian side. So as a team, we decided to meet the basic need of firewood, so we spent $1,400 of that. And then the remaining, the $600, would go for the gifts. But then there still leaves $4,000. What to do with those $4,000? So what we are asking is, our context there is to provide us with sustainable projects so the money is multiplied so more people will be blessed. Now, the idea is we might have to wait. I told the team, don't be expected that we'll get, an, we'll get a proposal and then we're going to fund that proposal. That proposal might not ever, ever arrive. But 4000 is already pre-assigned for whatever need the Ukraine ministry might need. And that's the idea, right? That we are investing in the kingdom of God here in heaven, on earth. And then we're beginning to see the fruit of that. Whether it's in India, in Kenya, or Costa Rica, we're building homes or where our youth are going to go. By the way, if you're a parent of a youth or high school, we want you to fill the waiver so we know the intent of how many people are going to go. That's December 1st, by the way. All right, free announcement. Yeah. So towards the latter part of the beginning of the Galatians, right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, verses, uh, those verses. There's a list of do's and don'ts as a family of Christ. What are the family of faith should be doing? What are the guidelines that would navigate a relationship? So we're going to go through some of them. So here are the do's as a family of faith. Once again, I'm summarizing this. You can either snapshot or probably load it up on social media. But then on Galatians 5.26, that's where it actually starts, all the do's and don'ts. So if you read, uh, it says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So the do's, right? Restore one another and do not be conceited. Okay? Do not provoke one another. Right? But the idea here is, what are the things that we should do? Restore one another 
be vigilant, be gentle when someone falls and you have to restore them. Bear one another's burdens. Be humble when you're being called out for something you have done. Test your own deeds. What is it behind what's driving you to do something? Is it the spirit or is it the flesh? What's driving you to do certain things? And teach one another, verse number six. So these are just some do's that we are as family of faith. All right, there's tons. We can go through it. Uh, the New Testament and every Paul, the uh, letter that Paul writes, there will be other lists there. But this is just a simple list that, from the verses that we're reading. What are the don'ts? Don't be tempted. Do not deceive yourself. Verse number three, do not boast in your own accomplishments or the things that you've done. Don't be hard-headed. Don't stick to your guns when obviously you don't have to. When people are telling you that you're doing something wrong. Be able to be gentle enough to see that what you're doing is not right. Do not be conceited. Do not provoke one another. Do not envy one another. The do's and don'ts, according to Paul in Galatians 5 and 6. But each of our families have certain rules, correct? Certain values, certain things that guide us. A couple years ago, uh, when I was pastoring my dad's church, I had this idea, right, that all the families did a family retreat, and then we're going to work on our mantra. What is the Bible verse and what are the values and what is going to guide, or guide us in the process of being a family? So uh, my kids were really young. You will see some of the drawings they did there. But the idea was to draw a shield, right? And that shield will have four values. And those values will direct our life as a family, the Luna family, Luna-Rodriguez, right? What would that values would be? What would be our Bible verse that will help us navigate our life. The decisions that we make as a family will go back to that Bible verse. If we're maybe going off the track, will allow us to see that Bible verse, right? So that was the intent. That was like six years ago or seven years ago. The output was not so good, right? So they, like I said, the kids were really young, and there's four values there. I love, serve, I can't remember the other two, can't even see that. Um, but the idea was, right, that the kids will have this notion. So this is still in Sarah's room. And obviously she gets bored and she draws on it, right? But the Bible verse that we decided as a family that was going to navigate us was going to be Matthew 6, 33. Right? Seek the Lord first. Seek him first among everything else. And the values, right, that will guide us will be this idea of serving, love, and respecting one another. Obviously, in practice, it's a little bit harder, right? Because the kids are doing what they do. But particularly now, right? Christmas is around the corner. Think about how your kids react and with the expectations and the entitlement that they have to receive a Christmas gift. They have to, right? Because it's their God-given right. Christmas comes with a gift, and I can see some of you smiling, Right? And the bigger, the better, right? You have waited the whole Christmas. 
But imagine for one second, you tell your son or your daughter, no Christmas gift for you this year because the gift is going to go for a child in need. Test their heart. See how they jump. We did that already, and it went horrendous, okay? <laughs> it went horrendous. So <laughs> we're, I'm sitting here at the table, and I'm like, so rejoiceful, right? And I'm like sitting, and we're about to have a family meal, and I let the news. And I start with these words. I say, as a family, or at, I can't remember the correct term knowledge, but I said, we, yeah, we're making a donation on your behalf to three projects around the world. That's the language that I use. And all one of them heard was, you're giving my money away? I said, no, let me finish. And he just stuck on that one. He got stuck on that one. You're giving my money away. Just think about that, right? What are the values that drive us as a family of God? Think about the proposals, right? Imagine if all of a sudden this church is overflowing with abundance. Then we will have to fight and argue who gets what, right? What programs do we sponsor? How much do we give? And that was kind of like the Ukrainian family, right, on Friday. How do we split up the money? Where do we set it up? How do we give it? I can only imagine the Kenyan conversations when they come to 12 women and say, submit a proposal, and we'll see if we can sponsor it. Right? Imagine a church that at its heart, core value, because it's being led by the Spirit, wants to harvest and multiply here on earth the kingdom of God. Would that create unity? Would that create division? Would that create joy or that create sadness? I don't know. But let's test it in 2024, right? Let's have a church that's so overabundant that they want to bless, not only here locally, but globally. And once again, be patient because the harvest eventually will come. And it takes time. It takes endurance, perseverance, lots of prayer, consistency. So now we have three projects, right? We have Kenya, we have Romania, uh, sorry, Kenya, Costa Rica, and India. And we have three ministries that we're heavily investing. But what are the new projects? What are the new locations that God is calling us to do? What are the things that are in your heart that God is placing? How you are going to invest in that? So as we conclude the series on Galatians, be free, be free, be free to give, be free to serve, be free to love one another. We're going to spend some time in prayer before we go into communion. And I know that Thanksgiving for some of us was not a delight. There's some family drama and family structures and family feuds in there. Let's just give it to God. Place it to Him. And if you had an amazing Thanksgiving, praise Him for that. Bow your heads and just pray for a minute or so. Be thankful if you have to be thankful. If there are burdens in your family, place it to Him.
And as we pray, I'll read Hebrews 10, 23, 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together at his habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Father, this morning we come to you in an attitude of thanksgiving, being thankful for what we have. Thankful, Father, for having so much, being blessed in many ways, but also acknowledging that in the midst of these holidays, there are also some burdens, some pain, some struggles. Maybe there are some unspoken hurts. Father, we pray that as the Christmas season approaches, we're able to pray and restore those relationships in the family of faith. That we're able to seek reconciliation. That we may ask for forgiveness. That we may pray for one another, Father, if we have to. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to have a family that is universal. It has brothers and sisters throughout the entire world. But I thank you also for the local church, for the brothers and sisters that are gathered here today. We thank you for them. We thank you for the families that are here today, all the grandparents that are visiting. Father, thank you for that opportunity to see them rejoice with the grandchildren. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to allow us to be a family of faith. Thank you, Lord. And as you finish praying, let's have communion. And let's rejoice in the Lord for what he has done for us to give us a family that is universal and we have an eternal family in him. Let's have communion.